Um, I also like to remind women that, you know, you've got this really. We tend to think of menopause as something very different, but, and the hormonal transitions we go through can be very challenging, but we've gone through a couple of them, maybe more already and come through it and adapted and found our footing afterwards. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the common good. Contributing to the common good in even the smallest of ways is one of the scientifically proven ways we can age with vitality and deep contentment. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. My goal is to share optimism about aging and introduce you to guests who will excite and inspire you to share your own gifts and talents with the world. To find out more about this podcast, my web courses and my book, Not Just Chatting, How to Become a Master Podcast Interviewer, hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my monthly email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind the scenes looks at my interviews and other fun tidbits, including what's new at my Etsy shop, Zestful Design. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker. Find out more at judybanker.com. Ever wonder what the host of Zestful Aging does when she's not podcasting? Creating one-of-a-kind earrings, of course. I've just opened an Etsy shop called Zestful Design no S. And it showcases my fun, comfortable, and zesty polymer earrings. These earrings are fun to make and fun to wear. So check out my new shop, Zestful Design, on Etsy. Well, I am really excited about our interview today. It is a, a subject that is long overdue. We're talking about menopause. I'm wondering, what does this word mean to you? Do you see it as something to dread the end of your femininity and your identity as a mother or as a new phase that offers tremendous freedom and an opportunity for creativity? Today's guest sets, seeks to set the record straight on this powerful phase of life. Susan Wilson is a certified nurse midwife who has spent the last 20 years working exclusively with women in the menopausal transition. Her philosophy is that menopause is not a condition to pathologize or to dread. Rather, it's a natural, vibrant, and powerful phase of our lives. Her latest book, Making Sense of Menopause, explores the misconceptions we have absorbed as women from the medical community and the larger culture and offers a look into the deep sea change happening at this time in our biology, our creativity, and our authenticity. She's also going to offer us some practical advice on how to navigate symptoms through this change and emerge into our wisdom years vibrant and full. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you. Very excited to be here. Oh, I'm I'm delighted to have you. Let me just get a little bit of 
backstory, um, I know that you are a certified nurse midwife, and I know um, there must have been a time where you were delivering babies. How did you decide to focus primarily on menopause? Well, one of the things I love about women's health and being a midwife is that we work with women all through the lifespan, and there's so many different ways to enter the work. When I first started out, I was very interested in women's self-care, and um, this was back in the 70s when women were looking at their cervixes and trying to you know, figure it all out. And then I kind of became really interested in babies and prenatal, perinatal psychology, what they know, how conscious they are, and moved through pregnancy. And I guess I became most interested in working with menopause when I hit that stage myself, because as much as I knew, there were still a lot of surprises. And so as I began to explore things on my own and tended to see, once I stopped delivering babies and had a gynecology practice, I was seeing more women in midlife. And um, it just kind of naturally evolved from there. And I've spent almost the last 20 years doing that exclusively and loving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting as a psychotherapist, um, also having a similar experience where my clients were also getting older <laughs> and talking about, you know, what's my purpose here? What do mm -hmm. I do now? And I thought, well, here we are, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I began to uh, get really interested in it and research it as well. So that's kind of a parallel it's situation. Such a, yeah, such a rich time of life. There's so mm -hmm. much, and yet we tend to just throw away our elderly in this um, culture. We're so focused mm -hmm. on youth. We are. You know, well, what I found very interesting about your book is you talk a lot about our beliefs and our perceptions of mm -hmm. menopause and how that influences actually what happens in our bodies. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, it, it's something that a lot of people don't uh, come across naturally in their lives, but it really opened things up a lot for me, uh, probably about 25, 30 years ago when I started um, looking at Bruce Lipton's work. He was a Stanford cell biologist that literally can take you step by step showing how our perceptions of our environment are actually what cause um, our physical symptoms and things to happen, that it doesn't matter the, the DNA, the way the genes are arranged and things, we're just very adaptable creatures and we're made to adapt. And so when we run into things in our environment or when we have a particular belief about things, it sets a whole cascade up in terms of um, how things will eventually come out. And that's very powerful when you think about how strong the messages are from the medical community, from our culture, and even from other women about what it is that we're to expect here. So I think what you, you're saying something like, um, what we believe is going to happen is a self-fulfilling prophecy because yeah. the body adjusts to that, those beliefs. It kind of gives us what we think, what, what we believe is going to happen. Mm -hmm. I, 
I'm aware, and I'm sure you know more about this than I do, but of some, um, uh, these are uh, different cultures um, and some of the stories about um, people believing that they had eaten poison and then actually died, but mm -hmm. indeed they hadn't. So the, the how the mind influences how how all the cells are talking to each yes, other. Yes, all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what do you find in your practice? What are most people coming in? If you could maybe generalize or tell some stories about people coming in and saying, here I am in the middle of this god-awful menopause. How, how does it go in your practice? And what do you see? Well, um, quite often when a woman first comes into my practice, she's in the thick of it because we often don't see it coming. Um, I've had women say so often to me, you know, well, sure, I'm really busy. I'm a bit stressed. Nothing's different than it's ever been, though. Um, but all of a sudden, I miss a period or two, and I've got hot flashes, night sweats, can't sleep. I'm, you know, gaining weight. My hair is falling out. How can just missing a couple of periods make all that happen? And it's not the way it happens. It's just that the whole system that is supposed to take over as our ovaries wind down, the adrenal system, is exhausted. Most women reach midlife uh, really kind of hanging by a thread and don't really perceive it because we adapt so readily to whatever else is put on our plate. You know, we just take it on and do it and master it and don't realize how stressful things have gotten. So usually when women come into my practice, they have um, a lot of symptoms going. They're worried because um, at any other time of life, some of what they are experiencing would be signs of uh, illness or disease. And so they're afraid that they're broken and that, you know, something serious is really happening. So to help reframe that, is important. And I also realized that before women can begin to do the more developmental, emotional, psychological work of this time of life, it really is important to address the physical symptoms and help them come back into balance. And, you know, I, I see the body as a miracle. I mean, to me, it is so amazing how we have so many systems all working together, supporting each other, not in competition, always trying to move us toward help. So if I find that if I, you know, can explain to someone why this is happening and how their body is trying to help them, by how these symptoms indicate that their body's really trying to help them move toward health, then that gives the control back to them. And they say, oh, okay, this is something I can work with. It's not mm -hmm. something that's happening to me. It sounds like the first order of business for you is to help them manage their anxiety about what's happening. Um, some are, yes, anxiety is there. Some of it is just pure physical exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And I always really try to find out what the stories are that go along with that. Because as we've just mentioned, you know, our beliefs about things, how we think about ourselves what our identity is as women and where we tend to feel valuable or not valuable. 
Um, and often it's not our own voice <laughs> that has told us these things. And these are old stories. Very old stories. You talk stories. about, you know, what what was it like to get your period? Yeah. What, you know, did people celebrate it or did they, you know, freak out about it or mm -hmm. ignore it? And did your dad get all weird? <laughs> yeah. Were you supported in your journey toward becoming a woman or were you somehow made to feel either not seen, not important, or at worst, like there was something wrong with you because you are now becoming a sexual being? So um, I also like to remind women that, um, you know, you've got this really. We tend to think of menopause as something very different, but, and the hormonal uh, transitions we go through can be very challenging, but we've gone through a couple of them, maybe more already, and come through it and adapted and found our footing afterwards. Because when we go through puberty, we're usually too young to really even begin to understand what's going on. But many women have become pregnant, had a baby. Um, your body totally changes during that period of time. You know, your hormones powerfully change you into a different creature. And I don't think any pregnant woman has missed the fact that she's no longer in control of her own body and doesn't <laughs> feel like herself in certain ways. So, you know, but we go through them, we pass through them, we find our new normal and move forward and thrive. And menopause is no different. And I would say that um, even the women who are deepest in the throes of symptoms who come in do really recognize that there's a really deep sea change going on as well um, in their bodies and something big is afoot here because <laughs> mm. it changes us in all ways. Today's episode is sponsored by Kindra. Kindra is a self-care company that makes estrogen-free essentials designed by women for women to support people who experience the hormonal changes of menopause. Their line of menopause essentials includes a daily vaginal lotion that dramatically relieves vaginal dryness and three daily supplements all thoughtfully designed to target and relieve the symptoms of menopause, including hot flashes, brain fog, mood swings, and more. Each of these products is backed with years of research and development to identify the most potent and effective formulations. Visit our Kindra, O-U-R-K-I-N-D-R-A dot com. Using code ZESTFUL20 for 20% off your first purchase. And I'd love to hear how it works for you. Could you talk about, you, you mentioned creativity, mm -hmm. and I just find that absolutely fascinating. I interviewed Stephanie Raffalock, who um, has uh, written a book uh, recently and talks about, you know, nature wouldn't have us around <laughs> if we weren't you know, contributing in other ways besides making babies. And now we have this new opportunity to be creative. Um, how do you see it? Um, well, I agree. I think why would nature make it so everything falls apart and we're diminished when we're in the prime of our lives? And the answer is she wouldn't, you know. Um, there's something uh, called the grandmother hypothesis that a lot of people are talking about these days. And it really does have to do with the role 
of the woman in her wisdom years in evolving the species. I mean, when they when sociologists look at um, tribal culture and look at how we evolved as humans, um, you know, a mother, uh, we, we're vulnerable as new babies. We need more care than a lot of animal species. And a mother only has generally a year or two to really give that focused care to one child before the next pregnancy comes along. And then, you know, old tribal culture. And so that first child then becomes more vulnerable. And as the women started living more and more past their reproductive years, they were able to help nurture and support those children. So they had a better chance of survival. They gathered more food than the younger members of the population because they were busy um, also with child rearing and other things. And one thing that I really feel is that they had the longer view of the culture. You know, they had lived for a longer time, seen mm. more. And, Perspective. Mm -hmm, and they could offer this and, you know, just and tell stories and wake up whole new parts of the human brain. And when you look at the only other mammal, the uh, one of the whale species that lives past reproductive years, they have the very similar role in their pod. You know, they have memory of hunting grounds that the younger whales don't have. And if food gets scarce, they're able to take them there. So uh -huh. how interesting. And nature prepares us really powerfully for this because at the time we go through menopause, estradiol, which is the um, estrogen that runs highest in our reproductive years and really, to my mind, puts us in a hormonal trance that makes it possible for us to keep putting everybody else in front of us and, you know, nurture everything inside and sometimes be the doormat for our families. That estrogen begins to wind down and the one that mm. rises up in higher um, concentrations is estriol and that directly stimulates the creative centers in the brain. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. nature's really preparing us to be more creative, to be able to integrate what we've learned and to be able to give our gift is the way I look at it because, mm -hmm. you know, we tend to distill as we age and distill our knowledge and know more uh, who we are, what brings us pleasure, what makes us feel alive. <laughs> and to give that back has such a huge ripple effect. Was this book part of your creative process? Um, I guess so. I've always been a little bit of a writer, shorter stuff, certainly a ton of journaling in my life. The book actually grew out of, I thought the first book I would write would be about um, prenatal consciousness because I just find that so fascinating and feel like it's something we really don't know about. But the more years I engaged in working with women and around menopause and the more stories I heard and um, it just felt important to me and my patients kept saying, you know, you explain that in a way that I got it for the first time. Why don't you write a book? So, <laughs> you know, I finally um, did, but was raising my own child. And so it sat on my desk for quite a while until she was launched. So, mm -hmm. 
I see. Stress is a, a pretty big theme yeah. um, in the book. And, and I was interested that you said people don't even realize that they're burning out their adrenal <laughs> glands right. because, you know, they're, they may be having fun. They may not be sleeping enough, living on coffee. What is it? What is the commercial say? We run on Duncan or America <laughs> or runs on Duncan. Yeah. And I always think, that's a really sad statement. Um, but true. <laughs> but true. Um, and you talk about it's not necessarily the stress we think about with maybe a single mom, financial woes, um, maybe, you know, violence or whatever. But even people who think that they're sort of living the good life. Mm -hmm. Talk about that uh, for a moment. <laughs> well, you know, our culture really puts out the good life as being, you know, having a lot of resources, having um, a fulfilling job, having a lot of social interactions, often travel. I mean, this is what's marketed to us. And um, certainly when we start out as younger women, you know, we're often moving at a pretty quick pace. And what I talk about in the book is that, you know, a lot of women come in to see me and when we begin to talk about their stress levels, because that is key to how you will physically experience menopause, you know, mm -hmm. how your body, what stage you're in, in terms of stress, many of them say, oh, you know, I'm, not, I'm really not that stressed. And they write that on their forms. And, but then when we start to investigate things like, okay, so tell me what your day is like, you know, they're up at five, they go to the gym so they can get that in before work. Mm. You know, they get mm. their latte, they head for work, they love their <laughs> job, they're go, go, go. Sometimes they'll skip lunch, they get off of work, maybe they'll go have drinks with a friend or go home and cook dinner with their partner. Um, and then the only time they have to themselves is if they stay up late and answer email and mm -hmm. they're not in bed until, you know, almost midnight. Now think, hmm, okay, well, let me, <laughs> let me talk to you about stress because your body honestly doesn't distinguish between good stress and bad stress. And while, you know, you are enjoying your life and that is a positive because if you do compare the two women, the one that is involved in good stress, like I just described, or the one who is involved more in bad stress, raising a child on their own, working two jobs, having, you know, violence at home, something like that, that woman knows she's stressed and she mm -hmm. feels it. But the women experiencing good stress don't necessarily. So the woman with the traumatic life carries a heavier load because her um, perceptions of her environment are also, you know, pretty negative. But the woman experiencing positive stress, she doesn't carry that burden, but her body carries almost an equal burden to the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was something that was a new, new understanding for me. So you talk about sleep. Wasn't that your first, <laughs> the number one? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. pretty critical. And again, a lot of people are not aware of how much difference it makes. And sometimes just changing that one thing changes mm -hmm. all their symptoms. Because, mm -hmm. you know, as I mentioned, a lot of women, regardless of whether they are living really stressful lives, if they have children, often their only time <laughs> 
at night to be alone to do their own thing is um, later in the evening. So not only do they tend to stay up later, but they're also on the computer or a screen or sometimes, you know, watching TV to de-stress. And screens um, actually raise our cortisol levels and make it more difficult for us to get a deep, restful sleep at night. Um, our body naturally is kind of um, heading towards sleep around 10, 10.30 at night in terms of our levels of cortisol. And if we stay up much later than that, um, our body thinks it needs a second wind to stay up to do what it's doing. So cortisol levels start to rise again. And then when we go to sleep, you know, we don't have, we don't sleep as deeply. We're more easily awakened or mm-hmm. we have that 2.30 or 3 o'clock wake up that then you know, because there's been a cortisol surge, you know, we're awake for a couple of hours because that's how long fight or flight lasts in the body. So, wow, it all makes sense. You can really connect the dots when you understand the yeah. basic systems. So, to head for the barn around 10, 10 30, have a little ritual around your sleep that hopefully doesn't involve screens, like, you know, a bath or a half hour reading a book or you know, some yoga or meditation or something like that will help you both fall asleep more easily, sleep more deeply, which is important because that's when your adrenals do all their repairs in that deep um, sleep. And then you tend to, you know, wake up more naturally, not feel all dragged out and tired and everything goes better from there. Mm-hmm. Do you think that generally we're trending in the direction of starting to appreciate um, the the way your perception, the way you, this kind of philosophy of this is natural, we have to understand it. Do you get a sense that women are becoming more educated about this and understanding that there's an agenda um, in selling us products to, you <laughs> to know, make us I, look young? <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, I think so on some level, but the, the three main, I think, things that educate us are the Western medical system and its view of menopause is pathology and that because that's what its view of everything is. Mm-hmm. And it fixes symptoms and it divides the body up in parts and different systems and has different um, approaches to different parts of your body. They really don't see it whole. And I would say for all the articles out there, um, you know, and they, and Western medicine sees menopause as a failure of the fertility system. Your eggs, (laughs) your eggs run out. You've lost your ability to reproduce. You know, Mm -hmm. your function as a woman is over and it isolates menopause from the rest of the biological arc of our lives, but I would say for all the medical literature out there, often women come into a doctor's office and the doctors do not make the connection between what the woman is telling, the symptoms they're relating. They don't relate it to menopause. You know, they tend to flip in, and I've heard women say this over and over again, you know. Um, So, they educate us and that's where most people go for their education is to medicine Mm -hmm. and i think um it's also true that uh, our culture educates us about what it's going to be like um and our culture is so focused on youth Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. that um, you know this time of life is not seen as having you know much value. And most of the menopause books out there still encourage women to just follow this 10-step program and then everything will go back to the way it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. And of course it doesn't. And that mm-hmm. shouldn't even be our goal. Um, and recently the conversation about menopause has really, um, really amped up, I would say over the last two or three years. But many of the books that have come out are still kind of angry books, you know, this was horrible. Why didn't anybody tell me to expect this? <laughs> you know, so they don't necessarily have, um, you know, much of They're a positive. Reinforcing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. the third thing is that women educate other women about menopause. And um, most of the stories we hear in the focus of the books, as I just said, is like, you know, about what a hell it is. So um, I used to notice the same thing about pregnancy stories through the years that, you know, rarely did women talk about what a wonderful pregnancy they had, how powerful they felt. It was all about, you know, how awful labor was or what the interventions were. And I can... How many stretch marks you got. Yeah, I can only attribute Mm -hmm. that to the level of trauma that women actually go through in these passages in the medical system and that they still have a need to process them and talk about them. So um, I think it's important. And that's one of the things I really wanted to do with this book was reframe this from being something that happens to you (laughs) and Mm -hmm. you know to see how you literally at each stage of our um, hormonal lives are we're really changed into different beings capable of different things primed by nature for different life tasks in the same way that a caterpillar and a butterfly have exactly the same dna but they're very different creatures with different longings, different destinies, different Mm -hmm. everything, you know, so. That's, that's really um, helpful way to understand it. Um, Wow. You know, I think the other piece of this is many women and, and I think the people, at least in my experience, the podcasts and the podcasters in Europe are a little bit more ahead of us. I agree. And okay. And talking <laughs> about menopause and what it means and 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 what to look forward to. And there's the whole thing about you feel unencumbered. You feel free, you know, mm-hmm. not all the time, but there's these there are real opportunities that many of us have never had before. And that speaks of power and sometimes that upsets the apple cart yeah and if not now when yeah mm-hmm. um i i really feel that um in europe often i mean our medical system is profit driven and so um we do what makes more money which is do more tests give more medicines no one is really mm-hmm. talking about the cause of health Whereas in some of these other countries where they have more socialized medicine or a single system, they're really doing health promotion. And Mm. in doing health Mm. promotion, you look at a person through the whole arc of their life. You don't divide them into little parts as much. And so I think that's one reason that they're really ahead of us because they're trying to promote health rather than fix disease. I see. Yeah, that's it sounds like it's a pretty complicated 
uh, backstory in terms of, you know, when you're profit driven, well, what does that mean? Mm And hmm who's, who's getting information and, you know, the, the fact that doctors are being trained by big pharma mm and hmm what, you know, I mean, there's a lot of ugly secrets there are uh, <laughs> to uncover that explain a lot mm of hmm why it is how it is with, yeah. with the pathologizing. Yeah. Wow. Um, Susan, could you tell people where to find you and, um, and your, and this book that's, that's really different and I think offers a very hopeful and optimistic perspective on, on this transition? Sure. Well, um, you can find me at makingsenseofmenopause.com, Okay. uh, which is the website. And I have, you know, I tend to blog um, on different subjects. And if people want to hear about something that I'm not writing on, I encourage them to just let me know, I really want to hear more about this. And while I certainly can't speak to individual, you know, health issues or treatment plans, Sure. I can certainly talk about um, an issue. And the book is due out um, February 15th. And you can pre order on Amazon or anywhere else, I think at this point, if you prefer other places um, to, uh, to have it waiting for you when it when it comes out. And I hope it's useful to women. And I hope that they like it. And I hope it really encourages them to tell their own stories. I would love nothing more than to see circles of women <laughs> getting together and reading this book together and going through the process of answering the questions that are in it, you know, in regard to their own life and sharing their stories. I think that would be tremendously liberating. And I really feel that the world needs the voices of mature women more than ever right now and would love to see that come about. Yeah, that's your contribution um, to making the world a better place. That's so well said. And I want to really highly recommend this book to our audience. It's very different and it really helps make sense of things. And we were talking before we got on the mic about like it's just at the perfect level. I mean, it's, you know, it's not simple so that, you know, it's... um you lose the complexity, but it's not written like, you know, you're a medical person either. I mean, it's, you know, it's accessible to uh, the regular person. And it's just so helpful to say, oh, yeah, that, okay, now I understand what's happening. Mm That makes total sense. -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope it's useful to people. I enjoyed writing it and it has been such a joy for me to work with menopausal women for so long. You know, it's such a rich, rich time of life. Mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate your work and, Thank and you. sharing it with us today and spending time with us today. And I wish you all the best um, when the book comes out. And um, I really appreciate uh, what, what you're bringing to the table here, Susan. It's really important. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation.
Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And Too Much Stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long exploratory you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest. (laughs) 